This episode of the Good Ship Brothership is brought to you by Cardstock. Cardstock, also called cover stock or pasteboard, is a paper stock that is thicker and more durable than normal writing or printing paper, but thinner and more flexible than other forms of paperboard. Cardstock is often used for business cards, postcards, playing cards, catalog covers, scrapbooking, and other uses which require higher durability than regular paper. The texture is usually smooth but can be textured, metallic, or glossy. When cardstock is labeled as coverstock, it has often been coated on one side with a finish or on both sides uh, to produce a glossy look and smooth texture, especially in use for the printing of business cards and book covers. Head on over to www.com today and enter the code cardstock for $10 off your pedicure. Cardstock. Hello. It's us again. Jason, how are you? Pretty good. So much. I was thinking about this the other day. So much has happened since the last episode we recorded. That's because we haven't recorded an episode in like a good month. The last one was... No, it's been longer. Well, I think it's been almost two months. Because the last one we did was (coughs) after we'd seen Dunkirk. Can we say now that we're coming out of retirement? Yeah. This This is our our first Daniel Day-Lewis retirement. Second one will be two weeks long after this. Uh, But we went and saw It. That was one of the things that we did. Uh, Like, artistically, that we haven't reported back on. We both really liked it. Oh, like, way better than I thought it would be. I'm liking that that movie uh, (coughs) and the experience, experience of seeing it, like, the more... More as I as I get further away from it, I think now looking back on it, it, it was almost like the quintessential cinematic experience. Mm-hmm. You had thrills, chills, laughs, high moment. Yeah, laughs. Like it was, it actually delivered kind of on something for everyone without uh, seeming watered down or compromised in any. You know, it wasn't like, oh, the comedy is weak because it's also yeah. a thriller, and it wasn't... Nothing felt the, forced. The horror elements are weak because they're also being funny. And the characters were all likable, for the most part. Uh, what? Can I have a Kleenex, please? Yeah. I'm a little sick. Grant's fairly sick, so this is going to be a <coughs> pretty sick podcast. <coughs> I'm going to, like, right, I'm going to really try and... Uh, Cough pointed away from the microphone, if at all possible. What else has come out? What else have we seen uh, or done? Uh, I've... I played... Wait, oh, my turn. Sure, whatever. I played Ori in the Blind Forest, and I really want you to play it. Uh, it wasn't... You played Ori in the Blind Forest, you've been playing Tomb Raider, the new one. Yeah, neither of which are really art house games. I think it's worth noting that like Ori in the Blind Forest was absolutely gorgeous, and I thought it was... Very clever game design, and I really want to dive back in there and get some collectibles. It was like a really good length, um, nice little makeup language. Uh, almost remind me of like The Sims, how the characters oh, a made don't up talk. language. Yeah, instead of makeup language. No, was that's like, how I, much talking about. That's what I went to cosmetic shadow. <laughs> do they do they do it? Um, but yeah, that game is phenomenal, and then Tomb Raider has me absolutely hooked. I think. It's very good, but I'm probably also... I don't know. It's just exactly what I want right now. It's probably not quite as good and as I think And you and I is. purchased uh, Helldivers. Yeah. Uh, co-op game where you just blow up lots of aliens and stuff with laser guns. And it's like really, top-down Destiny, but shallower. We're really enjoying that, just in terms of a uh, little couch co-op for uh, for the brothers. Still hitting Rocket League hard. Jazz Dady is doing well. Yep. It's the name I, of our team. Uh, I've been watching Twin Peaks, the television series. Absolutely loving that. Watched Blue Velvet by David Lynch. Watched two more Kira Kurosawa films, Yojimbo and Sanjuro. Absolutely loved both of them. Might review so one of those. We've been we've been swimming through beautiful. I've been watching Peaky Blinders, which uh, I've been telling Grant for <laughs> so long to watch. Sure. It's like fantastic. Why don't you tell them the truth, please? Well, Grant asked me to watch it for like I don't know a month, and I was like, "Yeah, I'm going to." It was it was more than a month. And then I watched Arrival as well. 
thought that was really interesting. Really liked the end of it, which is contrary to what Grant thought. I liked basically um, everything but the end. But I thought the end was very smartly done, and that was like... The, the end, you haven't seen Interstellar. No. The end of um, <clears throat> Arrival is like a more scientifically plausible version of the end of Interstellar. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, Arrival... The end of, the end of Interstellar gave me type 2 diabetes. Arrival didn't blow me away, but I thought I think it was like really solid and fairly interesting. Although it prompted us to discuss how Jeremy Renner is the okayest actor to ever live. He's he's he is to acting what puffed rice is to cereal. Yeah, I've never seen him do something and had a reaction other than okay. Oh, that was Jeremy Renner. Yeah, yeah. The man's been Hawkeye. He's been in Mission Impossible. He's in Arrival. I, I, you do never see like, him and forget that he's Jeremy Renner. No. Right? Like, yeah. It's like you did all go to a dress-up party. Amy Adams was amazing. Just be like, oh, it's Jeremy. I love Amy Adams. I have several pictures of her in my woman crush folder. Sometimes I just cycle through and I'm like, man, she's so great. It's true. Got some Jillian Anderson in there, too. It was time. This is the first time I made popcorn in a while with butter on it, and oh my goodness, I'm living in it. Bubner? Yeah. I can't have very much of that stuff. I didn't put too much on, but I mean, yeah. Not yourself. butter, I mean yeah. popcorn. Oh, yeah. Ever since oh, wow. the unfortunate incident involving a Toronto hotel room. Talk about hosing from every orifice. Oh my goodness. It wasn't every orifice. <laughs> It was like hosing from one orifice and then a sudden explosion from the other. We'll let Ready? you, the listener, decide which is which. Do we have a stock? Is there more tea, too? Yeah. Whoa. It's good to be back. I know. It's, it, this is like riding a bike now. You're aboard the Good Ship Brothership, the only podcast to cover arts, film, wait, Oh dear! I've film, music, gaming, literature, literature, and toenail splitting. Ah! Actually, I've got an ingrown hair on my elbow. Did you not get rid of that? Uh, I've been trying to eradicate it for like two or three okay, days. I, I don't keep, need like, to know that. Popping it and trying to like. I don't need to know outgrow that. Outgrow the hair instead of having it ingrown. Okay. It's painful. Jeez, Grant. I'm Jason, his brother. If you're happy and you know it, clamp your hams. Let's get started. J- uh, who's uh, everything's wrong? Who's today? Sick? <laughs> what are we talking about? Today? We're talking about two albums that came out on the same day. An amazing day for music. Uh, three artists that you and I both like very much dropped albums: The National, Alex Cameron, and Mute Math. Out of those three, Mute Math is definitely kind of the least. Yeah, on our pillar. We're not hardcore for Mute Math. We're, We're not hardcore but, for the National, but Mute Math. It was an amazing band when they had mm-hmm. their members that made them new math. How much in the new album yet? Don't no. want to even talk about that. Uh, well, they're all they're all on the new album. I said I haven't listened to the mm. new album. Don't even want to yeah, talk about I, it. I've I heard good. I've heard good. Th- anyway, so this is September eighth. September eighth. These two amazing <clears throat> albums dropped: The Nationals' "Sleep Well, Beast" and Alex Cameron's "Forced Witness." You guys might remember uh, Alex Cameron made a massive impression on me. I think it was last year when he released yeah. Jumping the Shark, his debut album, and I was very taken by it. And anybody who knows me knows that uh, The National have become like one of my staple go-to bands, especially when you're like sad, but you're really enjoying being sad, and you'd like to be sadder still. You know? I don't know if I agree with that, but I understand what you're saying. <coughs> have you not ever put on The National when you're sad and you're driving? And you just yeah, like, and you know. just live in the sadness. I don't get sad as often as you do. True. I when I listen to it, I'm like a tourist. The best uh, visiting an exotic country you do not want to live in. Um, <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> Anyways. What do we do now? Do we flip the puppet straight off? Yeah. Okay. Uh, face up is going to be Alex Cameron. Cam. Yeah, because his face is up and on the album. face down for the next. I absolutely love his album art. Here goes the puppet. I... Woo! 
Wow, face Alex up for Alex first. Stewart. Okay, so do you want to go first? I want to go first. Okay, go ahead. Um, I seem to recall in an earlier episode, or maybe it was just talking to one of my friends, um, I've said the words at least once in Alex Cameron, we trust. Um, I don't know if I've ever been this excited for an album in the last couple of years. I really loved Jumping the Shark, his last album. Probably not as much as you did, but but the thing about his last album is it left me with this deep and unmistakable impression that he could do so much better than an album that was already fantastic. Um, and I just thought that him and his crew had way more to give and like, holy geez, did he ever deliver. I was like astonished by how good this album was. I would say more often than not, I overhype music instead of underhype it, and I'm surprised by how good it is. Um, But for once, this album just exceeded my expectations by so much. Um, I really hoped he would deliver, but I just didn't expect it to be in such a massive way. You know, earlier this year, we had Damn, which was a phenomenal album, but it was, you know, on parody or a little lower than Kendrick's last album. But this, to me, is so far above and beyond Jumping the Shark. It's just, like, not even close. I think this is an album that's um, one of the most complete pictures of a human existence I've ever seen. Like, it's melancholic and it's nostalgic, but um, it's funny and it's happy and it's exciting and it's nerve-wracking. And the whole gamut of human emotions are felt through the album. Um And one of the things I always talk about with music, uh, probably not on the show, but you and I have talked about this a few times, is it kind of bums me out when you get, like, depressing or angry music because, to me, yes, music has to cover... You mean, like, wholly depressing or wholly angry? Yeah, I'm getting there. Because, to me, music can absolutely and should encompass, like, all of the emotions. Like, I love 68, for example. But it should never lose like a spark of joy of happiness of just just uh absolute kind of gratitude that humans can make music like this and i think this album is a perfect example of that it's even at its darkest moments it still has a little kind of glimmer in its eye um he (laughs) his writing just gets me every time man like he was he was funny in jumping the shark as well but i think he totally upped his game whether he's singing about like he sings about being catfished he talks about his down syndrome jewish friend who's a real estate agent cat catfished um, as in o- online online yeah and, yeah um <clears throat> he talks about how much cooler he thinks he is like in the last track he talks about how he thinks he can get this girl back but she clearly just doesn't want him like he's sometimes he sings about himself like he's a loser but he thinks he's awesome uh, and I really appreciate his dedication to his persona. I think that really does add to the music. Even if you go on social media, it's like still the character that's singing, you know? And I think For the that's. Most part. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, not unique, but still fantastic. Um, I, and I was kind of worried that he would lose that almost comedic element. Just, I don't know. I guess I shouldn't have doubted him, but sometimes you worry that he'll get too big for his britches or whatever and kind of get a little too serious but i think he's absolutely playful and doesn't it doesn't seem like he takes what he does very seriously or not in the wrong ways um musically i think the album's flawless and in some ways i don't think i'm even qualified to talk about it because i think there's so much more to see and discover but that's kind of part of the charm um the album is just an absolute showcase for the versatility of synths i don't think i've ever heard an album where since we're used to cover a broader range of sound effectively and without seeming like forced. You don't agree? No, I don't no. agree with that. I guess maybe that's hyperbole to say I don't think I've ever heard that, but I think this I think synths don't limit this album even though they <coughs> kind of encompass it. <coughs> um and this next section that I have written down here in my little point form I need to pick my words carefully so that it makes sense. I think there are some albums that definitely uh, are only suited for one purpose, like one type of listening, and I think that's fine. But I think a mark of an exceptional album can be an album that you want to listen to at any time. And I think Forced Witness is perfect for this. Like, I want to listen to this album when I'm happy, 
when I'm sad, when I'm upset, like on a winter's night or in the middle of the summer, like it just doesn't matter. This album has such a round, uh, encompassing look at the human condition, particularly his character, that I think it's really just suitable for any time and place, which is really special. Um, it's an absolute instant classic to me. Um, and it might knock Kendrick off his perch for album of the year, which I wholly didn't expect. Top three tracks? My top three tracks are <clears throat> Candy May, Country Figs, and Stud Muffin 96. Stud Muffin 96, man. That's a, that is a good song title. Okay, go ahead. That was concise. You like that? That was very concise. I'm jealous, and I hope... Uh, to achieve There's that, so much more to say about it, but that level of conciseness, concision. Uh, yeah, I don't know what that word should be. <clears throat> uh, do you want to get me the CD of Jumping the Shark off my shelf over there, of my bookcase? That thing's like bulging with my uh, books and films and CDs. That's because you have so much. Let me start off. I don't. Yes, those old leather-bound books. Those aren't yours. We'll fight about this off the podcast, folks. I hate you so much. <laughs> uh, Jumping the Shark came out last year. Let me first start off by saying I vastly prefer this album art to the mm, no, absolute, Witness album. Absolutely disagree. I love the faded, bleached kind of weirdness of it and the uh, the colors and all that sort of thing. Absolutely love that. Very a lot more evocative, I think, than the new one. But also this, uh, the Force Witness album cover, which is him standing in front of these blinds, and there are a lot of people uh, bending the blinds out of the way and shoving smartphones through to seemingly take pictures of his back as he faces away from them. Mm-hmm. And the jumping the shark is him sitting with big sunglasses on in a hotel room with in ear monitors or. It looks like a hearing aid. And is anyway. Um, <clears throat> when I heard "Jumping the Shark," I, I'm pretty sure it was last year. It really got its hooks in me instantly, and uh, was and continues to be unlike anything that I had heard before or since. The songwriting was really stark and kind of impressionistic, and there were flashes of the songwriting that he would use really heavily, go on to use really heavily on this album in, you know, Happy Ending, uh, The Comeback, pro- probably She's Mine, Mongrel. and Mongrel, and maybe Take Care of Business as well. So I was, I was, uh, Jumping the Shark I think was in my top three albums last year, or maybe it was number four or something like that. I think it was in the top three. Anyway, not important. But I was understandably very excited for uh, for Forced Witness, and I predicted that it would be my album of the year upon the strength of hearing Candy May, which was his lead single, and is one of the songs of the year, I think, up there with Harry Styles. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it it yeah. is, though. It really is. No. Sign of the Times is, is a masterclass of pop song writing. It's in the top... 50 songs I've heard this year. Like, maybe. You're very incorrect on that. Anyway, Force Witness, for me, marks a huge change, a pivot, from Jumping the Shark, which was a kind of stripped-down album, kind of like Lord's Pure Heroine album. Stripped-down kind of drum loops and samples with squishy, uh, pulsing synths that came in and out. Very skeletal and kind of an ethereal, ghostly sort of sound to the album. Would you agree with that? Is that mm-hmm. fair? Uh, on on Force Witness, Alex's songwriting has kind of blossomed and burgeoned, and I think that his lyrical sensibilities have just strengthened a whole lot coming off of Jumping the Shark. He's really kind of expanding on the the origins and the seeds we saw him planting and jumping the shark. And I found that extremely, extremely gratifying. He's got a real Leonard Cohen tongue in cheek sort of uh, sensibility going on. I feel like I'm saying sensibility a lot. Tell me if I am. I can't feel my face. 
Uh, and his humor, which was definitely very present on Jumping the Shark and was one of the things that made it really stand out to me, is even brighter, more garish, funnier on uh, on this album, like True Lies, where he says he's being catfished by uh, this a woman, sends, sends her pictures of her beautiful eyes, but he doesn't care if it's some Nigerian guy, you know? You should, hear, you should hear the poetry he reads to me, <laughs> or writes to me, rather. And I don't care about the money, I've, don't tell him about the money I sent. Yeah, it's it's hilarious, but it's also poignant, and like you were saying, those real life has tragedy mixed with humor in equal measures half the time and uh i really appreciate that i the the areas where the album flags a little bit for me are the areas where it starts to feel a little bit too much like an 80s tribute tune pastiche album where in songs like uh the hacienda or even chihuahua or the chihuahua I started to feel a little bit tired of this really in-your-face cartoon representation of the 80s. Go ahead. I do agree that <clears throat> the Hacienda is, or was for me anyways, the only like notable weak point on the album. It's quite notable. Yeah, but I, yeah, I listened to that and I was like... Mm. It would be a decent yeah. song to have on in the background while you're playing pool with a bunch of friends. But you could have cut it and the album <laughs> would not have suffered. Yeah. Uh, so I, that's that's where I feel this album falters. I honestly uh, am undecided on how much I like or dislike this album. It really has not leapt out and pounced on me like Jumping the Shark did with the, these really stark. And Jumping the Shark is much more stark than than Forced Witness. Forced Witness is a lot more lush. Uh, I think it just it doesn't sound as individual to me as Jumping the Shark did. Wow, really? There's a lot of that killer's pastiche, especially on the song which he co-wrote with Brandon Flowers, obviously. Oh, yeah. But Running Out of Luck to me does sound like a killer's B-side, uh, despite the fact that there's some amazing lyrics that Brandon Flowers would not think of. It's a killer's B-side that's better than Lyric, Lyrically songs, better yeah. than most killer songs. Uh outside of Samstown or Hot Fuzz. So, I'm really, I'm so conflicted about this album. That's weird. There, there are great songs on it, but it has not leapt out and said, listen to me, pay attention to me, I have things to say, etc., etc. So, <clears throat> I'm really not sure. But regardless, this is a great, stepping stone album i think for alex cameron and we do need more alex cameron's making music in the world people with this sense of humor and with this wicked songwriting talent that he has uh i don't think that it's his high point i think that his high point is ahead of him i think that if you took jumping the shark and you took force witness and you built off both of them simultaneously you come away with an amazing Mm-hmm. mixture I guess put it this way I just don't think anything got worse with Force Witness I think every every aspect remained the same or got better I think the instrumentation is not as individual or as evocative and interesting as I like it the, was on Jumping the Shark so I was driving with dad and our dad is like the harshest critic with he just is um, <laughs> of anything yeah and we were listening to Jumping the Shark and he was like, oh, it's so repetitive. Like, the synth is just like, blah, 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 or whatever. Um, and I think that that's, like, part of the heart and soul of Jumping the Shark. But at the same time, I listened to it a lot more, like, since Force Witness came out. And to an extent, like, just a little bit, I'm like, you know what? I think he's right. It could have used more spice. And I think that's exactly what uh, Force Witness has done. I think it, like, puts the perfect balance of maintaining like that groove and pattern that his music can sit in but also varying it in enough that that was a weird stutter and i, I think <laughs> on songs like candy may that's true yeah. but on other songs it just seems a little more so like he got a bunch of guys in the room they all had a couple drinks and then they went yo let's make a song that is kind of sounds like this sounds <laughs> like this artist or I've heard a lot of, and I'm really not familiar at all with Bruce Springsteen because I'm not that big of a fan, 
but a lot of people have drawn comparisons between this and Bruce Springsteen. Really? And I, yeah, I can, I can see it from my worm's eye view of the Springsteen discography of like much earlier Springsteen stuff, not at all like Wrecking Ball or early or later stuff. Uh, I I do think that it could use a bit of that Alex Cameron weirdness. The, I, I don't want to come across as like really hating this album though. I think that the stylistic choices he's made work really well for the album and the character. I just wish that they had been a little toned down or I wish that they had played with the uh, with the sound a little bit more and maybe chopped it up and thrown in some of that weird electronica that Alex Cameron is clearly amazing at. And you were talking about going back and listening to Jumping Shark, Jumping the Shark, excuse me, in light of Force I've Witness. I've done that quite a bit. And I did that as well. And it is a shock. It's like jumping into an ice bath after listening to Force Witness, these like super stripped down, mm-hmm. uh, very weird sounding songs compared to the lush layers in Force Witness. But there's beauty in that stripped down repetitive simplicity as well and uh, I do think that some of that is missing on Forced Witness which is still a great album I'm still going to keep listening to it I haven't listened to it as much as I would have liked to but uh, I'm going to keep listening to it in the coming weeks and continue to form my opinion and check back in with you on this but overall I'm, I feel a little let down by it honestly my, my top three tracks are Candy May, obviously, because that's an unbelievably good song. Wait, 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 wait. It's also going to be Country Fit in there. No. That's sad. <coughs> Although Country Figs probably could be in there. My last one is a Slash. It's an Andor. Uh, so we can add Country Figs to that because it's right up there. But it was going to be Candy May, Stud Muffin 96, and Stranger's Kiss slash mm. True Lies, just yeah. for the sheer humor in True Lies. Mm-hmm. But we could put Stranger's Kiss, Kiss slash True Lies slash uh, Country Figs, which one review I read referred to as Electric Figs. And I was like, you have not listened to this album very many times, have you? Yeah. And they gave That's it like sad. a 3 out of 5. Too many Electric Figs. Mm. I think if I was giving it, I think I would give it an 8 out of 10. Or a seven point five. I'd be struggling not to give it like a nine point five. Interesting. Okay, so moving right along to Sleep Well Beast. <coughs> um, now while we're talking, speaking of the National, let me talk a bit more about how much I love Alex Cameron in lieu of the National. In lieu of, that means like in, in light the, of the in National, the place of in that. Well, I guess that's exactly what I'm doing because I'm about to talk about Alex Cameron. Initially, since we've had this massive uh, amount of time between our two podcasts, for a while we were going to review Push the Sky Away by Nick Cave, and I had a major problem with that because I only wanted to listen to Jumping the Shark. I've listened to Push the Sky Away probably like three or four times. Jumping the Shark? Sorry, Forced Witness. Because all I want to do is listen to Forced Witness. Then later on, we decided we're going to do Sleep Well Beast instead of uh, Push the Sky Away, something a little more current that we're a little more fired up for. Actually, the next episode is the Sunset Limited and Push we're going the to Sky discuss Away. that later. No, but that's what it was. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying. Anyway, whatever. Never mind. Continue. And even once we switched to the National, I had a really hard time listening to it enough for review because I just want to keep listening to Alex Cameron. <laughs> um, but, I mean, I think I did it and now have an informed opinion but I think I did I've never had such a hard time consuming media for the show because all I wanted to do was listen to Alex Cameron and now I gotta listen to this other album which is not Alex Cameron it's got a dark black cover that can't be exciting don't go too Max Scoville on me you weren't Um, that that was a little Max Scoville and I apologize unreservedly this is a a compact it's disc, a which you listen to the, the radio. <laughs> the sound, the sound. You put it's like a the Walkman, but a disc. That guy is oh, so he's irritating. hilarious. Oh my okay, word. sorry. Sleep well, beast. I hope he gets really bad eczema. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great like. <laughs> Ha <laughs> ha.
<laughs> Same. Okay. Uh, uh, <laughs> the wheels are off. Okay. But every time Grant put the national on, I just wanted to listen to Alex Cameron instead. But I guess that goes to show you that sometimes you don't know what's good for you. Um, because I kind of forced myself to listen to this album. And then over the last few weeks, it's grown on me heavily and constantly. And it shows no signs of letting up. Um, and in some ways, and I've said this a couple times recently, but this is the truest time I've said it. I really don't feel like I should review it in a way just because I think if I come back to it in a month, I will objectively like it more and give a more positive review than this. I, I agree uh, with that sentiment as it relates to Force Witness for me. I was thinking, I didn't want to kind of spoil my thoughts, but this is almost going to be like a switcheroo for us. I wow. feel like your opinion of Sleep Well Beast is going to be like what I thought of Candy or of Force Witness and vice versa. Yeah. Um... I almost feel like this is my favorite national album. I don't like. I know this is such a one eighty because we talked about this soon after it came out. You were just like, and I was like, (laughs) "This is gonna be a switcheroo." Best national album ever. That is a switcheroo. No, but like you said, oh, it was gonna be my review of. I did not say that. Oh, sorry. Okay. Force Witness is the best Alex Cameron album. I think it's the worst. Okay, it's not a literal switcheroo. Whatever. Because there's only two. Yeah. And I don't know that this is going to be my favorite national album, but I'm saying I think it has the potential to be, which is such a massive swap from my initial impressions, which were tepid at best. Um, The album sounds to me like the end of Summer Nights. I think it's way more of like a melancholic album than Alex Cameron and I mean the national tends to skew that way they're but I think yeah they're a sad dad band but I think it too also has like a bit of a smirk on its face the whole time I really need to stop anthropomorphizing the albums themselves the album does seem to be a little bit lighthearted as well and I do really appreciate that <laughs> um, they're like Nick Cave on antidepressants but after all is said and done I do have a few niggles with the album um, a few what? niggles? <laughs> it sounds like, like a distant cousin to a smurf <coughs> okay google careful what your results define be. niggle <laughs> <laughs> that's gonna be the end clip cause slight but persistent annoyance discomfort or anxiety no, I, I mean, I there I was, I had heard that <coughs> term before. Okay. I just really like it. Right it underneath like, the shishito peppers. Sounds like a different uh, name for a tadpole. Mm. Yeah. <coughs> I still think... <coughs> Sorry. It's okay. I still think parts of the album are a little bit too stale. That sounds like a harsh word, but I think in light of most of the album being so moving, so touching, so... Uh, new and fresh some of the tracks seem a little bit like come on guys you could have done better um i think especially and we'll probably disagree on this turtleneck i just don't really like it just feels out of place i guess you could say it breaks up the pace it's a way heavier song than any other on the album um just in terms of drums and guitar and (coughs) is that the song with the solo or is that a different? Is that no? Uh, there is a soul. There yeah. is a kind of solo in Turtleneck, but it's like one of those arty, like anti-solo yeah. solos, or it's just like it's like a wild saxophone solo on guitar, which but, is not a bad thing. Necessarily. But I just find it does not fit with the rest of the album. <laughs> and in the future, I can imagine myself listening to this album and just skipping that track most of the time. Uh, beyond that, though. The beats I was I was realizing this when we were listening to uh, to the album right before recording. The beats are so fantastic that you almost never notice them because they're never overplayed or showy, but they always do exactly what they need to. <coughs> What's that? Poop. We forgot to read oh. Wikipedia entries. Oh, that's okay. Although Forced Witness has none, and um. Sleep All Beasts is very small. I derailed my train of thought. I'm that's sorry. Okay. It's okay. We're both sick. Um, though I'm barely sick, but we're both sick. I'm feeling better. Okay, the beats. <laughs> but I think that they are 
awesome and I really like how underplayed they are and understated. I think the piano is still some of the best use of piano in like, I put down alt rock, which is what I would call it. Um, it just fits so well and I like their consistent use of it over the years as like not just something for a slow song bridge, you know? Um, and the layered rhythms of all the different instruments really just always win me over. Like we were listening to uh, Dark Side of the Gym and you're like, listen to when the triplets come in and I hadn't heard that. And it's... Uh... Incidentally... <clears throat> Whoa. Sorry. I'm trying to like... My throat kind of broke up at the end of that, my review. Incidentally though, not triplets. It's an arpeggio, uh, but not triplets. Mm. Sorry. I guess. I don't know. We can have a conversation about that later, too. I can't remember now. Because in my, in my head, it goes... It's a triplet, I would say. Okay, we're getting really off track. We're talking about the album! <laughs> okay, How's that fair. off track? I'm, well, I'm just like, is it a triplet? Is it an arpeggio? I don't know. Listening back to that will be less funny than it was for you to do that right now. It wasn't very funny. I just want you to know. <laughs> it wasn't very funny at the time. <laughs> um, I think his writing... Might be at its best here. Who's writing? Matt Berninger's. Berninger. Um, like, no national song, aside from probably Cardinal Song, has hit me as hard as Dark Side of the Gym, um, which I think has to be my favorite track on the album. Oh, he's so cool. He's really attractive for, like, a 40-something boy. We're just looking at his face now. Sad dad. He's not really that attractive, but... But there's something that he has some quality. He bears a bit of a resemblance to Aaron Soch. Yeah, uh, you true. see that? <clears throat> I do see that. Look at his eyes, though. He's got beautiful blue eyes. He does. Beautiful eyes. Matt, we love you. Oh man. So lest this review drag on too long <laughs> and I lose my status as being uh, one of the top internet concise. music reviewers. Yeah, exactly. I think the album is fantastic flawed but not in such a way that it really matters that much i would say this is an easy top five in albums of the year but i think it was definitely overshadowed by the potential champ in alex cameron that said uh, i'm sure i'll have more thoughts during your review but i really do actually want to come back to this album in like two months and do a mini review because Oh, he's no, so ugly. He's an ugly dude. <laughs> oh, Justin, I'm sorry. Oh, jeez. But I, I want to come back in another couple months because I feel like this album has so much left for me to see and hear, and I might be treating it a little unfairly. Even though I said it might be my favorite national album, that's just because I think I know what it might grow into for me. Yep. But at the moment, I would say it's maybe like mid-pack, you know? If... If you haven't listened to the national before, whew, he's young there. If you haven't listened to the national before, <laughs> well, I'm just I'm just scrolling through pictures of uh, Matt Burning right now. I'm sorry, but not sorry. It can be a little bit tough to describe how much of a grower they are, but every national album I've ever listened to has taken months for me to kind of hit peak saturation and really understand how much yeah. I like it. Yeah. So in a sense, I'm reviewing this in anticipation of how much I think I'll like it. Um, but for the moment, I would probably give it around like an 8 out of 10. The National is very interesting because almost all, well, pretty much every fan I've ever heard speak about the National all agree that their albums are growers. Mm-hmm. And I've never they heard are. of another band. And it's com- been absolutely 100% true for me in every single case. Um that you you hear their album, you go, this is all right. And then actual months, literal months later, you are crying to every track and you consider it the best album ever created. And it's, I mean, that's obviously cyber, slightly hyperbolic. But <clears throat> yeah, I'm just interjecting and saying that if anybody who's listening to this goes and listens to this album and thinks, oh, not my cup of tea, Stick with it for a bit. Stick it out for a bit. Come back and listen to it a couple more times because you probably will form a different opinion on it in time. It's just an interesting quality. Sorry. My standout tracks are Guilty Party, Dark Side of the Gym, and Karen at the Liquor Store. 
Corinne at the liquor store, as he says in the song, for some weird reason. Maybe because her name was Corinne. I can't wait to see you. Yeah, I can kind of sing like him now. Two of the best albums <clears throat> we've ever reviewed. Um, Walking around but right great now, great brace of albums. Right now, it's like for all you car enthusiasts that I know listen to this show. <laughs> imagine if you had a Porsche and then you had like a Lamborghini, and there's no one's gonna turn up their nose at a Porsche, but you're always driving the Lamborghini because Alex Cameron's hot and Roy Malloy's the boy. He is a boy toy yeah. and a half. All right, so <clears throat> the Nationals' uh, sound leading up to this has been something fluid. They've been one of the few bands who have seemed to been constantly actually refining their sound with each album. Mm-hmm. Fr- from uh, Sad Songs for Dirty Lovers to Boxer was a pretty substantial jump in terms oh, of them yeah. finding their sound but they are one of the f- few or maybe the only band i can think of who seem to be not continually like consciously changing their sound for the sake of doing pivots you know and trying on new outfits but they're always seeking it's a fluid uh chasing of their true sound maybe you could argue a band like maybe u2 uh, back in the day, were kind of doing a similar sort of journey, and uh, but that's not just, as linear though. No, not nearly as linear, not at all. But you could say that that's what they were trying to do. Mm. But uh, it's it's rare that that sort of journey of self discovery works for a band. Normally, it becomes just really tedious iterations or sticking with the same thing. Our Lady Peace struggled with that for a long time until they kind of came into it with, like, Curve. Or they they leap way too far and then they have to backtrack. But the National, it really works for them. And this album, Sleep Well Beast, marks another big jump, I think, in their sound. Similar to the one between uh, their first album, Sad Songs for Dirty Lovers, and then Boxer. Their, their sound up to this point has been quite clean, but complex and layered. They've got the two two Desner twins on electric guitar. Brilliant uh, electric guitarists when put together kind of thing. And that will form one of my few gripes with this album later. But, you know, in previous albums like High Violet or... Trouble Will Find Me, you've got these amazing kind of Quicksilver uh, twin guitar lines that weave in and out of each other and are kind of swimming in the same stream. And that that's like a really beautiful thing. And then they've got two two more brothers who play bass and drums. And their, uh, their drummer, whose name is completely escaping me right now, which is really, really embarrassing because... They, the Nationals one of the few bands whose members I can just normally blast off. Uh, I'm going to find it. Brian Devendorf. That's their drummer. Brian Devendorf and Scott Devendorf on uh, drums and bass, respectively. The, the drumming in the Nationals has always been like a central tenant as well, I think. his uh, Brian's drumming is very, very emblematic of the band's sound these like amazing propulsive drum beats which on this album have been partially replaced or kind of sewn together with synth beats surprisingly more successfully than i had anticipated honestly i heard murmurings way before this album was announced that the national had been influenced by electronic music and that they were going to sew some of those elements into their new music and every time you hear it seems like everybody's favorite band goes that way doesn't it like oh their electronic phase you know after their highly successful phase where they hit just the right amount of layering in their songs then they go overboard and then they suck uh and so when i heard that i was just anguished right (laughs) (laughs) like i was like no please here comes the arm yeah you know what works like please don't t-pain on me but i was really amazed and surprised at uh 
at how well this album does work for the most part with the synth incorporations and the drum loop incorporations. Now, there are uh, a few too many kind of tepid-sounding tracks on this album. Uh, uh, Let me see here. Nobody Else Will Be There. Like, Mm -hmm. songs that are kind of slow and need, like... A little. That's a great that's song. That's exactly what I'm talking about for formulaicness, though. But but I think nobody else will be there. Is a great song, but it's just kind of got this churning like dip 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 beat all the way through it, and uh, walk it back, which is just a little. It's just a little anemic, and it needs a bit more of a thrust power. And Sleep Well Beast, the title track, which is the last track on the mm-hmm. album, is the prime example for just something that's just a little too understated and Matt Berninger is just mumbling a little too much and they just sound kind of bored by their own song on the album which is never a good sign I guess that's a better way to say what I was trying to express when I said I think they became stale because I don't know if stale is the right word but just a little too too slow I knew what you meant by it there's just not quite enough grit or spark a shame because I feel like it's only like one or two layers in tracks away from being like something as good as Alex Cameron. But also, if we go, if I can find, there we go. If we go back and look at the Nationals discography, they are they are kind of guilty of doing that on a lot of records. Gospel on Boxer, that's pretty boring. Start of War is too slow. Um, hey, you ever notice that Karen's one of the composers? Oh, cool. Maybe she was at the liquor store. I wonder if that's... uh, I think that that might be actually his wife. Matt Berninger's wife. I think it is. I think she's a journalist for the New York Times. Uh, And on on Trouble Will Find Me, Hard to Find. You listening to me, Jason? Mm -hmm. Hard to Find. These are just kind of like boneless songs, if you will. That just don't have quite the the muscle and the oomph that they might need. Mm-hmm. And then apart from uh, apart from that, I think that this for the New Yorker, she is his wife. There you go. Hey, I was really close, wasn't I? Yeah. I know a disturbing amount about that man. I think that this uh, album also suffers from a somewhat <clears throat> repeated problem that the National seem to have which is making their song their albums excuse me their albums exactly one song too long mm-hmm. like on boxer with gospel when they should have ended with ada oh, and man. like on but get this though it gets worse on trouble will find me they could have ended with pink rabbits <laughs> but then they slid in hard to find mm-hmm. can you imagine an album We've that ends that pink with rabbits is one of the best ending tracks of all time yeah that's not an ending song. track yeah and Ada is a fantastic mm. ending track as well. That then they have gospel. After. Although Harvada ended with Vanderlyle Crybaby. That Beaks, that was the one time they absolutely nailed it. And that's what I'm saying. Eleven tracks. What do we have on Boxer? Twelve. What do we have on Trouble Finally? Thirteen. So what they just need to do. And this album could have ended with Dark Side of the Gym. Oh but man. But instead, it ends with Sleep Well Beast, which is which is a six and a half minute slog slog (laughs) through synth and drum loops and uh matt muttering sleep well beast i'll still destroy sleep well beast into the microphone it's an interesting enough track but it should not it should definitely not be the ending track and i'm just surprised that three times now over seven albums and i don't know sad songs or dirty lovers well enough to call judgment on whether or not lucky you should have been the, the ender but they just seem to have trouble ending on lighter waving ballads, uh-huh. and instead they prefer to end on turgid, long, sluggish songs. But you know, I'm I'm sticking with negatives right now, but yeah. it's gonna flip soon. You're gonna see the flip side. Uh, the other <laughs> complaint I have is the guitar work, and the National have been just a bastion of uber creative guitar writing and playing between between the Desner twins and I've drawn so much inspiration 
from uh, especially High Violet as an album. And what's the song that I absolutely love? Anyone's Ghost. And af- no, Afraid of Everyone with an amazing uh, riff in there. And just so many of their songs with these amazing shimmery twin guitar lines as, as somebody who's in a band with two guitarists. So much inspiration and so much to look up to there. But it feels like we're often just listening to one Destiner twin on this album as the other one's occupied with synths or something like that. And we get like one too many shrill sub Dan Auerbach fuzz solos uh, going around on the album. That's that not just... called sub Dan Auerbach. That's not even fair. <laughs> True, yeah. I, I mean, but it's just the, these solos, I think there's one on... Uh, what's the one with a super long title? The system only dreams in total darkness, mm-hmm. and it just—it doesn't say as much as just the Nationals' musicality would in its place. They could have just taken out the solo and just let the backing track ride, and it would have done more to me. And uh, same with same with Turtleneck, although it fits the frenetic energy of that song a little bit better, I think. Before you get too off the subject, I just want to say, sort of the non sequitur, but as you know, a worthy piece of info. For the system dream, dreams in t- the system only <laughs> dreams in total darkness. What were they thinking releasing that as? I think it was the lead single, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah <laughs> I was like, <coughs> I know half like mid pack in the album, like at best. There are <coughs> five other songs they could have released that would be better. So the bridge melody is great though. Yeah, but so we reviewed that one with Randy and Derek, and I was like, you know. At the time, I said, it's not bad, but it's, like, a little disappointing. So, way to set the tone negatively, that's all. Actually, you're sick. I mean, well, it's fine. (laughs) No. Dude, it's stainless steel and alcohol. Neither of those things are germ clingy. Anyway. uh, So, (coughs) I'm just looking at my notes to make sure that's where my gripes end. (coughs) I'm so sorry, everybody. Jeez. This is not what you paid for, is it? <laughs> I don't know if those crickets will get picked up by the mic, but that was pretty perfect. Oh, I know. Okay. That was the sound of our, our entire mm. audience applauding our efforts. And there might there might be one uh, one too many kind of like pub piano-based tunes. We got... Uh, I know you're talking about how much you like the yeah. piano, but in a couple, way, in a couple songs... It started to feel a little samey to me. It's it leads in on board to born to beg. It leads in on guilty party. It leans in leads in on Karen at the liquor store, and it leads in uh, more subtly, but on dark side of the gym as well, which are all amazing songs. They're all piano led, and they're all one right after another. It was a little it was a little piano-y for me. I wanted to hear that guitar come out, but you know you wouldn't complain about four songs in a row starting with guitar. So I think it's just because piano is... That's what I mean. It's it, it, it's a bit more of a novelty instrument when you're coming off uh, six albums, I guess, that are quite guitar-driven. But they don't treat it like a novelty, which is why I love it so much. Like They don't, but like it, it's... To me, it was a bit of a novelty. Like, thinking back to Fake Empire, which is like the only song on Boxer, is one of their more popular songs, and it's like the only song on the, the Boxer album. That starts with piano, and then there's like nor they up until this point they've had like one or two songs yeah. an album that start with that gooding 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 gooding. But I just feel kinda. like they finally realized that a piano can be played in a song when it's not like the bridge, which is super well, refreshing. They, anyway, oh. I I disagree with you on that. Although I think that it's also just partially my baggage to bring it to. Yeah. Uh, the positives start with it's just a great national album it grew on me tons and the gripes that i just listed are infinitesimal in comparison with my love for this album which i know it like i just complained about it quite a lot but there are a lot of really lush and adventurous textures here their experimentation with synths has paid off i think in a big way although i hope that they don't get mired in it the drum loops, for the most part, are really, really interesting. And while some songs feel a little like they lack a bit of propulsion and they're maybe a little too foggy, there are other songs like The Day I Die that have that yes. classic 
clarity and soul that's and, what they need and drive to it and uh and even some of the slower songs born to beg and guilty party are like classic yeah. classic in the pantheon of all-time greats by the national like they're right up there and it's amazing how many times they can iterate on the same sounding song and you still fall for it and it doesn't at all feel like it's a guilty pleasure type of listen or anything like that just because these are plain amazing songs and they write them in the same mold and they're the same people and a lot of the same textures and colors sure whatever but they still work and I don't understand how they keep doing that how they keep writing such amazingly refreshed and amazing takes of what is essentially like a lot of the same themes and moods I could if somebody said I don't like the national all their songs sound the same I would understand that and to a certain extent I would agree with that but after that I don't care because they're amazing right I wouldn't agree that all their songs sound the same I think they have quite a bit of range but when you listen to like the day I die and don't swallow the cap and then you listen to Dark Side of the Dream. Yeah, the gym. But, but then you listen to Dark Side of the Gym and you listen to Pink Rabbits. And then you listen to Cardinal Song and then you listen to... You listen to Cardinal Song and you listen to Turtleneck. Like, I'm just saying that they do a lot of the same things over and over. That's what I was saying, like, at the beginning of my interview. They iterate on themselves. It's like they're writing the same album, but from different points of view all the time. And it's fascinating. And I don't know how mm-hmm. they do it with such success and why I always love it. Because... I should be going, oh, they're not, you know, they're not changing up their songwriting patterns. They should be using more minor chords. It's just the same bittersweet, uh, missed love, late 30s sadness, coming out of college sadness, sad dad band crap that they've always been doing. And that's all true, but it's just so good. Do you think it'll get old though? No, because I think they're amazing. (laughs) Like, I think they know what they're doing. And I think that... I think that they experiment enough and they iterate enough that it will always be refreshed and inspired sounding. And they sound so inspired. Like, ah, like in terms of the instrumental flourishes on this and on uh, on Force Witness, I think there's no comparison. Who's no. being more adventurous and who's, who's painting a more uh, vivid picture with their instrumentation. And I love The National for that. And... Uh, and I really, really can't wait to see where they go next because they really, my expectations were down here. They were low and they really cranked it up with once I heard this album and like understood it. And exemplary of this would be my top three tracks, which are <clears throat> The Day I Die, Born to Beg, Dark Side of the Gym, Guilty Party, Corinne at the Liquor Store, and I'll Still Destroy You, which I think you'll find is six. And that's like almost half the album. I couldn't, I could not even pare that down. All those songs are so good. And, uh... Do you have Dark Side of the Gym on there? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. I said The Day I Die, Born to Beg, Dark Side of the Gym, Guilty Party, Current at the Liquor Store, and I'll Still Destroy You. All, like, amazing songs. Some of, I think some of Matt Berninger's best songwriting on here, um if I could find a flaw with, like, his past songwriting, some of it was, like, a little too oblique if that's a word i can use it's a muscle <clears throat> what does oblique mean it's a, I mean, it's a muscle i think it might mean abst- abstract that's what yeah. i'm trying to say neither parallel nor at a right angle to a sp- <laughs> slanting so yeah that's yeah slanting denoting any case rather than the nominative or vocative a muscle neither parallel nor perpendicular to the llama. Okay, I'm going to stick with the bleak. I like that quite a bit. Uh, so it, it could feel like a little, or a little like disjointed, like he's just throwing random pictures and images at you, yeah. which is fine. But this is so much more narrative, I think, than a lot of what he's done before. So I, I absolutely, I like this more than uh, Force Witness at the moment. I think they're both like, amazing like yeah. some of the best albums that will be re- released this year and let me just say tracks 8 to 11 on this album all in a row are I'll Still Destroy You great song Guilty Party Tearjerker Corinne at the Liquor Store Tearjerker and Dark Side of the Gym 
Polo. Three songs in a row? No. Well, I might have. I meant four. Dark Side of the Gym, which is like, pull over on the side of the road. You're going to set the airbags off if you cry any harder. Like, Yeah, that's true. So, I'm just so gutted that that wasn't the album ender. We should just delete the last tracks yeah. of all our national albums. <laughs> get Matt Berninger on the phone right now. Tell him Sleep Well Beast is a is a turgid... Uh, it's like it's like canoeing through okay. porridge. Speaking of turgid, we just cracked the one hour mark. Yeah, I think we should probably turgid ourselves out of here. I think that's funny though, because I definitely feel the opposite way in that, um, and I tend to speak in absolutes when I say that this is my favorite national album. I don't know if that will be the case or not, but for the moment, I would say that Alex Cameron has wildly exceeded my expectations and produced possibly my album of the year maybe not we'll see and the national have produced a great album but one that was undeniably overshadowed by alex cameron and but, for me it's yeah. exactly the inverse. but two of the best albums of the year like and they both really exceed my expectations and can i also just say you may oh also also another another knock on this album uh, on the national is that i found that some of matt berninger's vocal melodies seemed like kind of forced like in uh, Turtleneck. <laughs> no, no. Turtleneck is Turtleneck is one of my favorite uh, tracks on the album. That's not on my list of favorite tracks on this album, it but it should be. Shouldn't be. It's a great song. You're so incorrect about Turtleneck. and I, It's so out of place. It's not even a judgment on the song. It's just it shouldn't be on this album. I just... Why? That's because not for you to say. It's I can absolutely say it. I am a critic. <laughs> okay, let's stop. Okay, to be fair, I just said that they shouldn't have uh sleep well beast on the album so if i can say that you can say turtle but you are wrong turtle X great song um an amazing song okay good night everybody hey 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 <laughs> i'm not done I could, I <laughs> you thought i was right done now. i'm not done. yeah I thought no you were done. Okay, what please. i what i was gonna say is uh, i missed one of my notes here and it's just an interesting characteristic of the national and of matt berninger too do you find this their lyrics have this way of like seeping into you and seeping into your soul and into your consciousness where one day you're driving along and this is a fresh album and you, you haven't heard it much and you don't know any of the lyrics to the song and that seems like an indeterminate amount of time later and you've just somehow just learned all the lyrics and you've, I rarely, if ever, have to Google the lyrics. They just kind of like That's true. seep into me and... And then suddenly it's like as if I've always known them. And it's really weird. I think maybe you too It's like had a rival. Kind of, yeah. I think maybe you too might have had that characteristic for me. I'm trying to think. Maybe, no, not David Bowie. David Bowie's too weird. Um, but n- hardly any bands or artists ever have that quality for me. Where VeggieTales. Where you just, actually maybe Kendrick Lamar. Where the yeah, lyrics over time, they just kind of like soak into you, and then you just suddenly find yourself knowing them and singing them. Huh? Seriously though, yeah, it's an amazing, it's an amazing uh, thing that makes the album feel that much more alive. That's where my review ends. Okay, <laughs> that was good. Anyway, good to be back. Yeah, it feels really good to be back. Don't it's be a been, stranger. It's been way too long. We're going to try and keep it uh, on the regular uh, for, you know, the near future. We now own an RSS feed, but we had trouble yesterday trying to upload podcasts, so we'll try again in the near future. But this episode will probably be the first to come out on the RSS feed. This episode should be the first on the RSS feed, like the new of the new episodes on the RSS feed. We should try and put this one up and then try and put up the back catalog, like, over time, because nobody's going to listen to the back catalog. So wait, I was listening to the first one. Yeah. I, I only listened to part of the first one, and it was kind of like, it was really quiet. And then we're like, that wasn't the normal format. Yeah, and... please don't listen to the first one. Just listen to this. Oh, we were so cringy, but now we're so cool. We no, have... Actually, I went back and listened yeah, to the was good. parts yeah. of the first one, and it's surprising how how much cringier we've become. <laughs> Do you, you think we... No, like, no, not you, actually. No, not you not think actually. we had like our fedora phase, and now we're in our katana phase? And we're like, oh... I was such a loser when I wore okay, that Okay, for the fedora. fact that you just pronounced it katana, yes. 
next episode, we will be reviewing <laughs> The Sunset Limited, which is a uh, for stage script written by Cormac McCarthy, brilliant writer. If you're at all interested in hearing, or sorry, if you're at all interested in reading it, it's like 60 pages long, and somehow I've procrastinated reading it for like weeks and And you weeks. can get it online. Yeah, you can get it online as a PDF, which is probably one of the reasons why I haven't read it yet. And uh, you still haven't read it? I have not finished it. No, Jeez. I know. I know because it's like sixty pages of like he said, he said, he said. I read it in like one day on my break. Oh, you work. could read it in one sitting, easy. But I'm just so stupid. Anyway, we'll be reviewing that, and we'll be reviewing uh, push, push the, the sky, sky away. away. I can't can't remember if it's push away the sky or push the sky away. It's By push Nick the Cave sky and the Bad away. Seeds, which is an album I highly recommend you all go listen to right now. Goodbye. I moderately recommend it. Goodbye. That was our review. <laughs> Define niggle. <laughs>